emoji, but it feels right. Um, can I start because I'm oh my really God. anxious yeah, no, about... If you, okay. Yeah, you look, you're sweating I bullets. Am, Bullet, do you need a I towel? Just, I just need help. Do you need, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> well, all right. It's, I'm, I think it's all fine is the answer, but essentially what I want to get rid of is um, panic plus the desire to please and how that can lead to just like weird choices. So, uh, and I, yeah, so I had this a phone call this morning, like a very, like an important phone call, potentially like this big theater about like a commission and like writing a play. Like Nevada? Which, is this, no, no, am this I is crazy? A, this is a different thing. Okay. Um, and like, you know. Brag. I'm not bragging. You, you brought <laughs> it up. <laughs> um, and like, essentially, you know, it was a great conversation. They really liked the idea that I have, but I just. Like, there they brought up a thing that it was like, oh yeah, and like if this thing has already happened or whatever, then like you know we just have to make sure. Like essentially, I I just like said I like sort of lied. I I didn't overtly lie, but I was like, I lied about like where I am at a little bit with the project. Okay, I'm trying to just be vague because it's not because they listen. They, they and they're gonna listen. like track no 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 you I down. just mean like because it's not really about the details exactly like I as soon as I hung up I was just like why why wasn't I just completely honest about like where I'm at with this thing and like what like they because essentially it was like if if something is Googleable they you know they meant they're like then like that you know we just that might be a problem and I was like oh shit like this thing that I'm talking about is like totally Googleable, and I was like oh yeah no. No, it's fine. I know this doesn't make any sense, but essentially, well, I, I just like, I do want more. I mean, I am going to because okay. Uh, so the play essentially the idea context. is like, um, you like I already had a reading of like a super first reading of this new play. Was I present? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Great. this play that this like sex ed play that I'm super excited about that I've like mentioned a little bit on here. But brag, um, brag, um, sex ed. I'm proud of it. Um, but like, and essentially, it was about you know writing a proposal for like using that. Um, to get a commission and essentially what they like the thing w- that was brought up like towards the end because I didn't really f- I wasn't fully honest in the very beginning about like how far I'm at in the play was they were like you know sometimes people apply with a proposal for a commission and like turns out they're further along in the process than they said and like you know if things are googleable that's just like when things become a problem and so I was like Got I was it. like oh under- okay mm-hmm and I essentially just like hung up and I was like, why wouldn't I just then immediately like clarify or, you know, explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like pant. I, so I wrote an email. I was like, the best thing to do is just like immediately right. say a thing. Um, and I had to go. So I just like wrote in an email just being like, I think I was honest. I was like, I think I just sort of panicked on the phone and I'm like, this is the situation. It, again, it was like, it's going to be, end up being like a super different play. I'm like, who knows if that's true, you know, but like, this did happen and you can Google it. And so do you think that's a problem? Or like, I'd love to know your thoughts, you know? Um, and so now I'm just like, has he emailed back? Right. Oh, no. No. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so Push yeah. notifications roll in. Right. You're like, <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, no, I'm okay. just putting it on. Do not disturb. But like I, yeah. And so essentially it's just like the feeling, like if it was any other situation mm-hmm. or any other person, you know, I just like, the feeling of like the desire to get something and like the need to like does such strong desire to like right. say like, yes, you can do this, you know, or like, uh, and like the desire to have done something right. And like, not, you know, it's just like so strong. And then I was like, why, why can't, why? You know, I just hate that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I hate like 
having made something more complicated than it has to be, you know? Right. <sighs> so, well, we, everyone yeah. does that where it's like, uh, I, uh, by everyone, I, I mean, uh, me as a Royal everyone. Um, <laughs> but they, that, that feeling of like when someone goes and, uh, how are you doing on this thing that you're like feeling over your head with? And, and, and mm-hmm. then you're just like, uh, good. Great. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, no. Uh, You know, I I got a little bit of this, a little bit of kinks to iron out. And uh, yeah, it should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's it's ready. Yeah, right. Great, great. Uh, Goop, no. Uh, Pardon me while I take this this steel wool to my social media accounts. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and I was like, I was like, can I email the people who did the reading? Be like, can you take it off your website? But I was like, obviously no. Like they would be so. They're like, no, we did this, and mm-hmm. we want the credit for also having like supported it or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, because well, and the thing that you, the violation that you um, perpetrated is. <laughs> Thanks. That's making it a lot better. <laughs> Great, <laughs> brag, um, but. Uh, I mean, it was even the 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 situation in which during which it occurred mm-hmm. was very. I mean, I'm going to inappropriately use the word like lo-fi. Oh yeah. You know, I mean the yeah. the fact that like the I mean the casting was. N- I'm not even going to call it non-traditional. I'm going to call it non-representative. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and it was like a one night thing. It was like a first draft, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. Right. And I think it's just about having never been commissioned before, like mm-hmm. the idea. And you know, he even said because my question that led up to that that I didn't fully answer, you know, was like if as I'm waiting to hear from the committee, like can I continue writing the play? Right. And he was like, oh yeah, of course. Um, so I think it's just though about the idea of like the commissioning organization wants to have you know they are giving you money and they want it to clearly be going to the development of a project, and mm-hmm. if it's already started to be developed then like that's where I think it gets like well then what are we doing but you know I think it'll be fine like again and I said like it was a super early thing and it was like really just about gathering information and I imagine the play will be really different you know and especially like this is about like a science commission and like there's so much more science I have to bring into like all these things so I'm just hoping that it's okay and that there is like my worst fear and we need to stop talking about this this is like a therapy session now but it's just that you know he'll be like well, that was weird of you to lie, and therefore I'm severing all connections, you know, which I'm like, right. probably won't happen, I hope, especially because I immediately told him. Um, but it's just like human behavior is weird. Like, ah. Right. You know? <laughs> no, totally. And and that would be super unfortunate, especially if, like, the materials that would be Googleable don't reflect how you reflected on the moment at the time. I mean, I, I rem- you were always very clear that this how early on it was mm-hmm. and how like that it wasn't I don't know yeah a production now right. you know I I this does remind me though that I had a um a playwriting mentor get get upset with a um a theater who was doing a show of hers and it, it billed itself as a premiere mm-hmm. and she was like really mad and like had them, you know, redo everything because she was like, when you premiere, she was like, if you premiere something, then that like it changes what it's eligible for contest wise and all kinds of things. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was like a developmental workshop and mm-hmm. not a, not a premiere. premiere yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it's just, it's, it can be, it's an, it's annoying that those, um, like semantic right, little issue details, details yeah. you know, can yeah. really like get in the way of something when it wasn't necessarily like the yeah. giant developmental milestone that right. like the semantics are going to sure, attempt make to make like it seem it like. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's just, yeah. And it's just like interesting how not knowing, not ever being in the situation before it's like, I probably would have just chosen to not even do like the reading was so helpful, but like if it means that I like now can't get, get this amazing actually thing, actually like, like paid, I would yeah. definitely not have done that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, but you know, so I'll update y'all next week. Hopefully I'll have an answer. Finger guns. Um, Finger guns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dope. Yeah. And so for me, you? for me, um, now, do you want one that is serious, one that's meh, or um, one that one that is, I don't know is a bit of a, a brag? Ooh, um, I feel like you deserve a brag. I've been bragging brag? all the okay. time. Okay, <laughs> great. So, uh, yeah, you know, I have facial hair now. Brag. brag. Uh, and when I am occasionally rinsing my face. Mm-hmm. Brag. <laughs> uh, when I'm not in the shower, um, the beard. Brag. Shower. Brag. <laughs> Holy what? Just you turn a knob. Hot water falls so from the sky. So lucky. Brag. And honestly, though, really coincident of birth, we are pretty lucky. Yeah, but lucky. Uh, <laughs> we can also drink that water. Like we that's can. crazy. Um, but the uh, my my face hair. Uh, it, it tends to hold a significant amount of said potable water. Mm. Um, <laughs> so until the human species finds a way to uh, harness the beard as a drinking vessel, um, I really would like to rid. The, I'm just picturing just like a, a straw a, a going to a beard goes into your beard, and so you can collect the water and drink it later, or drink it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, until until that that day comes, um, because that is not this day. It is not this day. I would like to get rid of the the beard sponge. You know, I just don't. I'm just tired of, and then just like being stuck in the old the chinny chin chin because it's the where the hair gets the thickest, at least on mm. my face. Sure. And uh, you know, especially if like you're washing your face, it's like a little bit cloudy from the soap. You know, mm. it's uh, the product mm. that you have that, you know, the, you know, the, the pomade and leave in conditioner that um, you put on your beard. Well, you know, nice. well, you might just, I don't know. do I just not look like I have a luscious you do. conditioned I just don't know beard? How one cares for one's beard. Wow. There's vitamin complexes. My there's goodness. essential oils. <laughs> there's uh, things that you have to use to exfoliate underneath. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't use any of those things. I they have a significant exist. amount of facial dandruff, but they do exist. <laughs> facial dandruff. Mm, Let, maybe that. that should be the priority because that's really frustrating. It is yeah. difficult to f- exfoliate beneath the beard. That sounds rough. Um, although it's also one in the same because the beard itself, the beard sponge, holds two mm. things, water and sweet, sweet face dander, brag. Um, wow, what an image. So let's – and I know that uh, – there have been some some developments 
in the past uh, thousand years that allow one to remove the the beard sponge, i.e., razor blades. Um, but I would like to keep said beard, mm. lose said sponge. Got it. Understood. Brag. <laughs> brag, brag, brag. Yeah. Um, but are you ready to start this shizzo? Is am. What? We are should we keep this? Yes. We're the Cultural Review Podcast. You know us. You love us. Mm-hmm. And we're looking back over the past 50 years of film, music, TV, beards. to challenge nostalgia and your beards to get at the question, should, should we, we keep, keep this, this beard? beard? <laughs> Same page. I'm Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about The Last Emperor... And a bunch of songs. And a bunch of songs. The top Woo. 10 songs of what year? 1987. Well, I'll be goddamn. I know. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Um, that's a good question. I guess, I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? Let's just talk about The Last Emperor first. Okay, great. Well, I feel like... <laughs> yeah, that's we'll, easier. To yeah, and also... Explain. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. talk about The we'll, Should we we'll talk about The Last Emperor in totem? It, yeah, and then in we'll totality? just move to... I to completion, just say beards, but I meant songs. Beards, beard completion. Um, yeah. So this is. Um, so I don't quite have the. I, I didn't make this catchy yet. I forgot to. Make oh, it catchy, a year of. But it's a year of. It's tough. But it's a year of. Power ballads and power grabs. Ooh, I just made it to catchy. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> that is. Yeah. No, that is catchy. Uh-huh. It's all about yeah. power. In All about power in 1987. Grabs. Power. Okay. So the last emperor. So this is the best picture winner. Um, and just to remind listeners, we chose to not watch Beverly Hills Cop 2, which was the top grossing movie mm-hmm. because we That's just right. were like, nope, nope, we don't need refuse. to. We know what we're refuse. Do it, so why waste our everyone's yeah. time? Yeah. Including our own. Um, however, we did watch a very long movie called but The Last Emperor. But not as long not as, as you long. thought. Ooh. And not as long as it could be. I have something to say. Oh, I bet you do. Um, so this is an epic, a sweeping epic, so it's gonna, I'll go as fast as I possibly can. Um, but this moves, this movie moves back and forth in time to tell the story of Puyi, who is the last emperor of China. Um, in the present day in the movie is, is in 1950 when, um, he's being kept as a prisoner, as a criminal of war in a, uh, Chinese re-education camp. Um, and essentially we're like, what? He's was an emperor. How is he also a criminal of war? Um, well, it flashes back to explain. So it goes back in time to when his essentially growing up and adolescence and adulthood. Um, in 1908, when he was but a toddler, he was summoned to the Forbidden City from his home in Manchuria and chosen as the next emperor. Um, he is like three or five years old or something at the time. He has the coronation ceremony and he can never leave the Forbidden City after that time because he's the emperor, Um, even though he's just a little kid who's confused about why he can't go home. And he grows up. He is pretty spoiled. You know, he's constantly told that he can do anything he wants. Um, He's waited on hand and foot, but he's also isolated from the world and from a changing China, um, which as he is growing up becomes a republic. Um, When he is... An adolescent, uh, early teenager, this British man comes to educate him, um, convinces him to get married as sort of like a way to get more independence um, because he's frustrated about his inability to leave the Forbidden City. So Puyi marries both a primary and a secondary wife. Always good to have a backup. Um, They both seem to really love him. 
they have a couple threesomes, um, <laughs> at least one threesome. He, uh, I imagine there were more. He starts reforming things, like he cuts off um, his hair, which is like, whoa, this is a big reform, big change. And eventually he is expelled from the palace and exiled after the Beijing coup. Um, so like things are happening outside of the walls that we kind of only learn sort of through his eyes as like things are changing. So he's suddenly forced to leave the Forbidden City for the very first time. He actually enjoys exile. Um, he's kind of a playboy, as he a self-proclaimed playboy. But his um, secondary wife is unhappy and wants a divorce. Meanwhile, primary wife becomes addicted to opium. Um, the Japanese, uh, meanwhile, are invade Man- Manchuria, and Puyi actually s- agrees to like work with them, side with them, because they will make him emperor of Manchuria, and he wants to be emperor again. But it becomes clear that he's really just a puppet. Um, and while he leave, goes to Japan for a trip, he returns to find that his wife is pregnant, not with his child. She gives birth, but this Japanese doctor kills the baby immediately um, because they don't want him to have an heir. Well, because... It's not his child. Right. Is that why? Mm, okay. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Anyways. Um, meanwhile, World War II is happening all around, um, and... It ends. Uh, spoiler alert: the Japanese lose. Wow! Um, wow! He spoiler. Gets, I know. Uh, so Puyi gets captured, and so then it all kind of like you know lines back up with the when he's at the reeducation camp in the present day, and that's where he really kind of learns more about what's actually has happened, and he learns about the atrocities that the Japanese committed on China, the Chinese people during the war, and he like regrets things that have happened. Um, after 10 years in the camp, he is released back to society, and then it jumps forward to 1967, where we see the rise of Mao and the beginnings of the Cultural Revolution. He also sees his former prison camp commander, now as a prisoner of the new leadership, so kind of this like constant question of like who's in charge and who is a you know, helpful part of society, right, and how that changes. Uh, it ends with him visiting the Forbidden City as a tourist, because it's now open for tourists, and he sort of like magically disappears um, and... He has died. And mm-hmm. that's the movie. Yeah. Um, what do we, what do we so have from this movie, Stephen? Uh, um, kind of uh, n- nothing. nothing. <laughs> um, and, I mean, watching it, I was like, what the fuck do we... I mean, the honestly, the biggest thing that we have is this is by Bertolucci, Mm-hmm. Who most people, you know, know from Rent, because um, of Bertolucci, Kurosawa, Carmina Barana. <laughs> it's in, uh, yeah, yes, it like, is indeed in in La Vie Bohème. Um, okay, yeah, That's there's how not most people know him. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it. I mean, he he got his start during the Italian Renaissance. He also is known for releasing the longest commercial picture ever, film 1900, which was over 300 minutes long, Gina. Imagine if we had done that we one. We would have just skipped it and done music, probably. Um, wow, that's long. Yeah, this one was supposed to be 225 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it was cut down. It was cut, it was down, cut down to basically two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is basically, with the exception of, like, actually references to Puyi or references to the Forbidden City, there aren't really references to this, this movie, movie in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, it was the first Western film able to be filmed in the Forbidden City. Um, oh, 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 shit. Yeah. Fact check alert. I'm on it. I made a mistake. Okay. I made a mistake in 1984 um, that Amadeus mm. did not break the top five. I, I said that it was one of a small handful to break the top five. I missed a clear, I missed a, a key word in that sentence uh, to not break the top five <laughs> during any week. Now, this okay. film was almost a part of that because it made literally, it made $44 million off a budget of $24 million, which is shit. Yeah. Um, which also happens when you make long fucking movies. You can't get the yeah. number of showtimes in. But it didn't break the top 10 until its 12th week. And then it hit number four during its 22nd week, keeping it out of the no number fives club. I'm like, how does it, how does it even run for 12 weeks right, if it didn't break the top 10? Um, huh. In... Um, yeah, and then the only thing we don't really, I mean, it's its full of people who either did nothing or were already established, but um, the only thing that I think is interesting is that uh, Joan Chen plays the wife, was discovered at, a, uh, at her school's rifle range by a woman named Jan Ching. Mao's wife. <laughs> like she was discovered by Whoa. Mao Zedong's wife. Um, I was like, That's I was seldom in my doing research that I go like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is crazy. Yeah. Huh. So, and like, so, like discovered for the purpose of finding, like being an actress. Like she was like, this woman is interesting looking. Right. We should put her in films. Or right. Let's, wow. yeah. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah. And there's a, an interesting mix of like mainland China, Hong Kong, or Japanese, Japanese, and uh, I don't, I don't know. No, no, I know. Um, <laughs> but okay. Japanese and uh, Asian American actors that mm-hmm. are all being utilized in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. So then, uh, should we just go straight? Let's just go straight Let's into talking talk about, about it. What do we think about yeah. It? Are you ready to vote on it? Yeah, I guess so. What? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah. yeah. Like, def- defend yourself. I mean, that's the thing is I like don't have much of a defense. Like, I just kind of felt uh, it was interesting. A lot of it was mm-hmm. interesting. I learned some stuff. Um, visually, it was like pretty beautiful at times. Um, it's. I just, yeah, I guess my main question, which I actually realized I didn't research on, is just sort of like the question that I often have of like when somebody, like, so let's say, you know, an Italian man doing a movie about like a different country and like mm-hmm. an important part of their history and sort of like why, why did he make, like, why did he make that movie? Um, how did other people, especially like Chinese people, feel about the movie? And like, the, I mean, I guess if it, he was allowed to film in the Forbidden City, then right. like, there seems to be some, you know, agreement that it was a good idea. Um, but that's just kind of like 
that's my like big question is mm-hmm. sort of like wh- why. Yeah, why I mean, I, I definitely think that it's it is. So he as a director Bertolucci, um, who like he is throughout his career is a vocal activist against uh, fascism and and political oppression. Mm-hmm. So I could see him wanting to expose different aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think is a strength is that by, by virtue of one thing I think is a strength by virtue of him being Italian, he avoids being American. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, I can only think that, if an American were to make a movie about mm-hmm. the fall of uh, the Chinese empire, mm-hmm. that it would be this like tragedy by the villainous communists, particularly if right. we're in like, you know, Reagan, Reagan U S. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I felt like, you know, my biggest thing to me is with regard to, historical fiction you know the the uh, the question is always like how do you make a story out of a life Mm -hmm. because like it doesn't have an arc right and i i felt like he really didn't try to do that Mm -hmm. i i felt like it was you know okay well this 10 minute period is him at three and now him at 15 and now 45 minutes of him as an early emperor and then an hour of him. And so it's just, right. Yeah. There was no choice about like, what are we watching for? And right. Why these particular moments in his life were important. And what are they saying to the point where I thought it was very abrasive mm-hmm. that approximately 35, 45 minutes into the movie at the introduction of his British tutor, Peter O'Toole, mm-hmm. we start having Peter O'Toole narration that yeah, I thought was, super was abri- yeah yeah right. really right uh yeah unsound dramaturgically yeah no it was like why is this happening in the story of the the, the film right because it's like once someone at the prisoner of war camp or the re-education camp like starts reading a mm-hmm. book the book that Peter O'Toole's character wrote about his time with the emperor and suddenly, yeah, I was like, wait, who's talking right now? Right. And why, where has he been this whole time? And like, why does he get to narrate this guy's life? You know? Um, yeah, it was very, right. That was, and I think it was around the same time. And then like continuously every like 20 minutes or so, I just found myself asking like, wait, what am I, like, what is, what am I waiting for? You know, I guess it's like you're waiting when a, a movie like that, like the thing that I guess the question it's asking you, like the mystery that you're solving as you're watching is like, how does this character in these present day circumstances versus the character in their past circumstances seem very different? It's like, ooh, how are they going to align? Like, how does he go from right. being here to there? But like, aside from that, and especially once we understand how he got there, it's kind of like, well, then what is the point aside from like document, almost making it feel like it's, more like documentary, like like trying to just document this time right. in China's history and and in the changing kind of landscape of China and like if that's the intention, then like that's maybe interesting. But if so, it's not 
so narratively interesting. It's just sort of not doing what you would expect a narrative film to do. Even even the decision to jump back and forth um, into various points in the past by like continuing to rebound to his time in the prison camp, I feel like kind of I'm in, I'm inclined to use the phrase uh, neuters the story because what I think became the most interesting aspect is so you know china becomes a republic then it goes into the warlord period where then he eventually goes into exile in tianjin and then when he then he flees to japan like as japan invades manchuria they decide to make it into manchuko this false puppet state and the emperor of japan says that he'll Im- install Puyi as the emperor of Manchuko. And so he begins to, you know, he's very pro-Japanese and he's there serving. And then slowly as his desire to exercise um, hit, hit power and also to get more autonomy from Japan, then they start to revoke his freedoms and his position. And then when they fall after world war two and he's taken prisoner, you know, the question then becomes, you know, to me, it's not interesting if we're just thinking it's a tragedy that he's in prison, Mm. he should be reflecting on how he betrayed China and sided with Japan so that he could hold on to his power over people. Mm -hmm. And, especially when he didn't know at the time, but it later came out that the Japanese were testing chemical weapons on the citizens of Manchuria. And also there was significant economic corruption and all this was happening while he didn't know, but he was effectively by aligning himself with Japan over China, allowing it all to happen. And, and so I would be, I am more interested in that conflict and that reflection than I am with just how tragic is it that this guy was once in prison. And then, you know, when he, when he, before he poetically dies, he returns to the forbidden city. Mm-hmm. Part of me was like, why isn't, why isn't this mm. the rebounding point where he's you know in the twilight of his life traveling back to his childhood home reflecting on his life and the difference between now and then yeah because you know and i was thinking about this because there's a very controversial tactic that has happened in just about in in most of the communist revolutions that didn't involve in actually just uh, what aristocide um Mm -hmm which would be uh, labor re-education. Mm-hmm. And I did start to think of, like, you know, call me crazy, um, the purpose of that, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, I, I think that we frame it as torture, which, you know, let's be real, it, there are elements that are to a degree of torture. But also unless you work as a laborer 
you will never see the need of, you know, if this is China, hundreds of millions of laborers to have the, the freedoms and advancements and equality that they get offered under this new system, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, he seems to come to embrace yeah, because he doesn't, we don't see him not believing in the system. We see him fighting for the man who reformed him actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see that man who reformed him being very compassionate um, because he confesses to crimes against the Chinese that they know he couldn't have been aware of. So I, I, I'm lost in what my own train of thought was, brag. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I no, but that like, well, there is the element of like his reeducate, like mm-hmm. not that it's saying that like reeducation camps of this type and like labor camps are good or anything, right. but just that like he, it was for him at least an opportunity to learn the context right. for his life and like have some new perspective that is actually potentially positive. Right. Well, and Oh, you know what? Also it's like, if he doesn't, he came out on the other, he went through a journey. He, the only journey that we really see him going on is this one that happens at the end of his stay in the labor camp to when he dies. And it's like the last 20 minutes of the film. So instead of seeing him, review his past as he goes on that journey to like investigating whether or not it's right for any individual to have so much like privilege Mm -hmm. at the expense of so many. Like why wouldn't he be then like reflecting on his life and his choices through that lens? And then we see like, what he becomes from there. It it just felt like to me, we just got a movie with no lens. Yeah. And it's, and I feel like they, cause that is a more interesting angle and, and it, they use the prison camp as a way in a thing that actually I was like feeling throughout the movie, which was like heavy handed exposition being delivered in a way that you're like, I guess somebody would speak like this in this situation, but mm-hmm. like you're only having them in the situation so that they can speak like that. For example, like at the prison camp, like, you know, things like this is who I am and this is why you are here and you are going to do this now, you know? And so like, I feel like they used, they were like, oh, the prison camp will be a good way to be the thing to jump back to because like they're going to be asking him questions about his life and therefore we can like jump to those moments. But in, but like, if we're going to jump back to those moments anyways, like we're getting the idea that he's reflecting on them. So we don't mm-hmm. need that to be our sort of central, like present day scene. Um, because, and it just felt like a way to like, they almost didn't maybe trust the audience at a certain point about like getting thing, some, some details about like who you are and why we're here. Like even things when they introduced, um, when the like empress, the, the, who was the empress before Puyi, who like mm-hmm. chose him as the next emperor, she, when he first meets her, she says, she's just kind of like, 
She's like, I am the empress this. this. We are in this room. That's what that thing is. Right. This is what's about to happen. The yeah. emperor just died. Like, right. she's the emperor just, just died, and the eunuchs are placing me beneath the black pearl right, exactly. because I am going to die. <laughs> yeah. Gong, right. dead. Um, so it's just like, throughout, I was like, there's so much. And I guess that, like there is a lot to, you know, a lot of context and a lot of details that like we you won't just necessarily know from watching the movie, especially if it is aimed for an audience outside of China, I guess, mm-hmm. or even just outside of people who've lived in the Forbidden City, you know, which is like a small number of people. Right. Um, so, but it just felt kind of like that, what you're saying feels like an extension of like my main kind of like writing critique of it, which just felt a lot of the times like it was sort of a little bit like lazy exposition, like exposition delivering. Mm -hmm. And therefore the whole frame of the movie was kind of like an exposition deliverer, you know, versus I think because like your idea of, of like letting that be like actually the moment where he is kind of reflecting on his choices. Right. I mean, because if he's not, what is the point of a flashback if not reflection? I mean, but then uh, also it's odd that there are so many purely expository moments. And yet there were moments where I felt, very confused about certain expository things mm. like uh she want we see the the second the secondary consort you know mad and wanting a divorce mm-hmm. but, but unless i blinked mm-hmm. we never right. we just stopped seeing her right right um yeah and then also i had to do when um so the empress one rung is abs. She goes into sort of a an exile after the death of her daughter, and what happens during that period is she just becomes very like depressed and goes headfirst into her opium addiction, which is why when we see her return, she's very pale, um, aged mm-hmm. and is, I, I don't know how to describe yeah, her she, behavior, but right. it's, it's she's kind poor. of erratic and she's like, like spitting she on everything. To be like she's in a different plane. kind of. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just was like, what, what yeah. is going on? Right. And so I had to like, I had to Google what happened to her mm-hmm. to understand why she was behaving that way. Um, also there's all this talk about them, him needing to go to Japan. Well then when he goes to Tianjin, I was like, are they in Japan right now? This right. seems very like pro Western in a way that like my history is telling me that Japan wouldn't have gone. Right. And then, yeah, I didn't know right. where that was. Yeah, because it was a very Western, right. Western city. I mean, it was almost like, honestly, it reminded me of The Godfather Part Two when they're in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you just you don't, yeah, know what's going on. Really, everything mm-hmm. is for something that is so um, transparently expository in moments, right? it's occasionally significantly lacking in important exposition. Yeah. Well, and it just, it feels like aside from Puyi, it was like everyone else, we got like a line about their circumstance and like right. in such a long movie, I didn't feel any emotional story connection to like anybody else because it just sort of like, he was clearly the focus 
and especially the two women. Yeah, I was super interested in, in them. And, and early on, they, like especially the primary wife, like she seemed, uh, the empress, um, you know, seems like potentially a really interesting character who's like, you know, also on board with like some reforms or has ideas of her own and mm -hmm. like wants to go with him out, out of the city, you know. Um, but then it just kind of, then we sort of just lose her and we lose the other secondary wife completely and until it's like this moment of crisis where we just kind of see a, their crisis for a second right. and then they're gone, you know? Yeah. And we also have this friend of hers that is like the Amelia Earhart to her Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. And she... <laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah, in basically every way, both historical and apocryphal. Um, and there is at least one particularly, um, um, I don't know. What? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Podietarily erotic. <laughs> oh, my God. Scene. It was <laughs> really disturbing. I'm just in the sense of, like, to me, feet, feet creep me out, and I have right. stories of, like, Creepy feet mouth thing. infections after <laughs> no. toe sucking. <laughs> no, so just like viscerally, like so unattractive. She's just like sucking on her toes. Anyways, right? Like she didn't that? wash her feet. I'm like, you don't. She's been dancing. God. What? Ew. What is all, that? Yeah, no. She I, like sucked a ring off the toe, I think, <gasps> and then she was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which was also just like, uh, it just felt very male gaze esque because I was like. I These struggled with the threesome sexy. also because yeah, I was oh, like, totally. "What is even?" Right. Yeah, and the same. Yeah, it was just, like there was no. You're just showing function. these two women like happily on board with like right. having with sharing this man and like right. both being married to him and like the the, the ladies are into it. And right. They, they and and not only that, it was a the threesome. It began in a very chauvinistic way, which was, you know, it was hearkening back to when he would like put a sheet up and then the eunuchs would touch him and then he would have to like try to like he, the whole point is he wouldn't know who was actually touching him. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Sexy. idea is, Oh great. I'm just gonna fuck whoever you are <laughs> and we'll see. It's, you know, just a round Robin here. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And it is just very, I mean, it, there was just no, it was just pointless. It, it served mm -hmm. no like, mm -hmm narrative i mean not that well, right, I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if a, if a threesome ever really supplied so any sort of narrative <laughs> content um yeah or sex scene in general right. but like at least there was no poor. we didn't really see any bodies that's like, that true could have been a lot more gratuitous yeah i mean all that we really feelings. see is only times in which we do see that is in the act of breastfeeding oh my and so goodness. yeah oh yeah yeah no, there was a very some some game of thrones esque yeah, breastfeeding that. yeah he's like nine he, and yeah. And he's just still, he just and goes in. She's just Ooh, a gal a who can't say like, no. I just couldn't think, of, I couldn't stop thinking about the filming of it and like this, because you see like this actual young actor go up to suckle this actual, you know, right. 20 something year old actress's breast. Mm. And I was like, that had to actually happen. Right. Ah, that's so messed uh, up. Yikes. Gurg. Yeah. Gurg. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so we never really see the um the we never really see who that friend is, why she becomes because she becomes a spy for the Japanese right. and just tells everybody right. about it. I don't She's care. like who I'm knows? a spy. I don't <laughs> care who knows. I'm like, well, Japan might. Mm -hmm. Japan <laughs> might care who knows. 
Um, yeah, especially like you're saying that not just to a random person, but to the empress of yeah. Manchu quote. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do see. Um, we do see a, a, a quite problematic moment um, when he's showing off in. Uh, I think it's when he's like first goes to uh, Tianjin that he's like showing off his piano and or, or his singing skills, mm-hmm. and it is a minstrel show. Yes, it is. There's there's a a whole lot a bunch of, of people in black blackface. Yes, it just sitting there oof. in the background. Yeah. Yep. And so that's, that's, so really the lesson to take is, uh, even, you know, Chinese are not free here. Sorry. Although, I mean, just, I want to know more about like the, even the history of that, like, well, or, I mean, it's probably like this is a place or at least this, this palace or this house is like wanting to be Western. And I imagine that's like, that's what they're seeing coming out of. Western entertainment is like people in blackface, you know, which, and I don't know yet if the people who were in blackface were, were Chinese. I think they, I think at least the piano player was white. Yeah. Um, and who was likely to be British. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if like in the, well, shit, I have no, I, I feel dirty. Um, Yeah, because I was even thinking, like, what is the the popularity of menstrual performance in the 1920s, even in America? Because like, it got its start in the 19 in the 18 like 50s, if I'm remembering my theater history correctly. But like, brag. But like, um, yeah, it just. I'm sure it was plenty popular to do in some sort of like aristocratic club like they were in. I mean, yikes. Yikes. Yeah, it seems as though perhaps it exploded actually in the 1920s. Fuck me. Hollywood. Fuck me good. Whoa. In the 1920s. Superstardom. Well, in Hollywood. Especially, I'm, so that's probably uh, makes sense how they, you know, yeah, because like Western, Western, like movies. Hollywood movies, yeah. Oh, well, allow Hi, me to <laughs> just drop here. dead. <laughs> I um, would, yeah, wow, um, wow, 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 yes. Um, where do we, how in do we get out of this moment? Interesting, maybe we re vote on it. Do our do our little closey yeah, votey well, vote? Yeah, so like why what do I have to say that's positive? Like yeah, I guess it is to me maybe it's it's interesting because maybe my my sort of like yeah, we can keep it is about actually like it being one of I just don't know, didn't know a lot about like, right. the end like a you know, the end of you know like the who the last emperor was and like mm-hmm. what that was like and sort of like the transition to power of you know these different this sort of changing china um and so like i was i guess yeah i think i was sort of like watching it almost more as history than as um storytelling right and so i feel like that was probably my inclination where my inclination to keep it came from 
Um, which like is, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know more. I didn't know about other movies that explored that in such right. detail as the focus. Um, and again, yeah, not from a like clearly skewed American point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you have more, I'm sorry. No. Um, I mean, for me, reasons to keep it are, you know, Bertolucci is a big name in cinema. So if we're going to keep it, if we're going to keep any of his films, you know, best this as opposed to The Last Tango in Paris. And then um, also, you know, he didn't, he used a, I mean, he used all like Asian American and, and Asian actors in the eighties for like a large cast, like it employed a lot in at a time where we're not seeing much representation outside of sort of exploitation films like the karate kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so then like, so I think that's a a plus. And then the other thing is no one saw it at the time. And it's not referenced by uh, anything. So, so in a way, we didn't keep it. So by voting <laughs> to keep it, we're really just saying, let history continue <laughs> on its present course. Interesting. Is that what that means? Okay. I mean, it is, yeah, right? Sure. Like, it. I mean, we... Right, because usually it's about, like, let's stop talking about this movie. Right. Because we've been talking about it a lot. But, yeah, something. no one's... But there are other, like, relatively obscure ones that we've been, like, Get out of here. I agree. But but yeah, I still don't yeah, I don't know that I need to get rid of it. Yeah, I and, and I feel like the the thing the things that are negative, I'm like A, other movies have done it way worse. B we have relatively we're 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 just not talking about it anyway. And then, you know, the things that it does well, it's like, well, I'll to keep you around to to right. to do those for, things. to do those things. Yeah. Go for it. Go for, Go for it. it. Yeah. Also shit, Chinese crickets. They huge. huge they big. Cricket. They all they fist sized crickets. Hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a huge cricket. Um but uh, yeah, so I feel good. I feel good okay. on the Last Emperor. Great. Not about all of it, clearly, right. but uh, I feel like my position is uh, firmly affixed, and I'm ready to move on to Let's the sweet, sweet sounds do of, it. of 19... 1987. Um, mm. Catravan okay. set. Um, so great. We've got some. Very well-known songs. Some right, some not-so-well-known songs. songs. Um, for, you know, uh, obviously I've gotten a little bit crazy on the hoopla trigger the past um, the past couple years going, uh, I'm fighting through the laugh. Um, that, like, oh, man, this so- these songs came out this year. These songs came out this year. Uh, there is maybe... There, there may be two three songs. Three? Okay. I'd say three. Um, but one of them, yeah. I guarantee you, actually, to be 
talked about in a second. Right now. You know, yeah, let's great. Do it. Um, so let's go ahead down the old choo choo. <laughs> you got it. Okay. So we're going to start with number 10. Yeah, um, great. Number down 10 these. down the choo choo right. line. <laughs> uh, so yeah, number 10. Whoa. Whoa. We're halfway there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. We're living on a prayer. prayer. By New Jersey's own Bon Jovi. Mm, Jersey. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, mm-hmm. so I, I have very little to say. I'm not going to use my full minute. Um, all I'm going to say, uh, it's off their, uh, their album, Slippery When Wet. Um, God. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's all I have to say. <laughs> That's all I have to say that doesn't involve Great. my defense. Right. I have no I have no other Let's thoughts. Do we wanna keep it? I say yes. 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 Okay, I, good. Despite yeah. the album despite That's the album being I'll called Slippery When Wet yes, featuring the a, a woman in a in a sleeveless cutoff t shirt that has the road sign on it. Mm. Um and she I is I wasn't sure wet. what they meant mm. without seeing mm. that picture. So mm. you know. Um but yeah, no, yeah. there's a uh, Gina mm. is a character in the song, so I'm a little biased. Gina Got it. A diner all day, looking for her man. I won't sing the whole thing. Just down on a look, exactly. it's done. But yeah, I think it's like it's a cool like so I like the relationship that is at the core of the song. Right, it's it very Jack like and a Diane. Healthy relationship, the, Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane. Little Diddy, but Jack and Diane. Oh, sure. Two men can get a Yes, thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And like, it's it's right. just a singable anthem. Right. And like, th- when I was thinking about like, you know, A, yes, this album cover is fucked, but like, there are, it's like a very, it, it, in terms of like how 80s bands sexualize women in the music yeah. videos, the music video, but not that. Mm-hmm. Big a deal. It's more about sort of a behind the scenes of them on the road kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of hair metal bands, they are the of the of the more upstanding 50% of hair metal bands. Certainly. Yeah. So that you know, that's not it's it's somewhat contextual, but that was I was like, I'll just yeah, I have very little to say about them. Great. Uh, well, they're just fine. Let's keep it. Um, moving down the choo-choo line, we've got number nine, Shakedown by Bob Seger. Um, this is from the soundtrack of mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Did not watch it, happily. Refused. Um, refused. Uh, the, yeah, just one little fun fact, I guess, about it. Um, Bob Seger's friend, another musician, Glenn Frey, was initially... Fry? It was initially... I think um, it's Fry, but I'm going to... Give him a quick old googly goo. It's F R E Y, so but mm-hmm. you know that could be pronounced. However, um, was initially like supposed to record the song because he also did that. The he did. Oh, song from the Eagles. From from the Eagles. Um, yeah. In of Beverly Hills Cop One. So he, he was, did song. Yeah, he was supposed to do that one. As this song one as well, but he didn't like the lyrics, and then he also got laryngitis, so it went to Bob Seger instead. Oh yeah, I didn't like the lyrics, yeah. so yeah, more <laughs> like it, you yeah. weak. <laughs> Week. Um, that's all I have to say about this song. Okay. What do you I, think? Uh, I again, it's fine. It, it's it's yeah, just a I, it's just a weird. I don't know. I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like it's number nine because of Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. As a song, it's I was like, man, stupid. Bob Seger, this is not one of your best songs. But this is his, oh, this I think is his only song to be in the top 10 of a year. I'm remembering seeing that fact. I will recheck my I research. would like to know that old time rock and roll is not, didn't make it into the top 10 of that year. Either way, then th- this just shows that sometimes our metric can be flawed because very clearly Certainly. that has his, that is his, that song and turn the page are most certainly his most like lasting songs. Mm. Um, I so, couldn't tell what the point of view of this song was like, who is singing? Cause it's like, right. it's like sort of about crime, but I couldn't tell it is about, but I was like, are you a cop? Are you a criminal? Who are you? Cause one of the lyrics is like, I'll, I'll get you or something mm-hmm. like that. So I was just kind of confused. Generally. I mean, he didn't write the song. Right. Which is also, it's kind of proof as to why it was like, very clearly written for a movie because it's like no, it's like written with like movie moments in mind, you know, like you can see, you know, Eddie Murphy going somewhere and it's like shake down, break down, take down. Everybody wants to do the crowd. And it's just like, Oh, car driving and like, as opposed to like no one, like Bob Seger wouldn't, write this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just... No. No. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of like... Eh. It's just, I, I feel it's, like... Uh, I agree. I feel like nothing songs are hard. to Beverly Hills Cop 2 as well, so I feel like if we're going to get rid of that, probably, we might as well just get rid of the song as well. But, right, yeah. I mean, it's a no. trash yeah. garbage song, so if we have to throw <laughs> it in the bin with... Then we uh, be Bev Cop Dose. I'm happy to do that, and we can just light up the Palo Santo wood to get the smell of it out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, great. Let's keep yeah. going. I I do believe I was wrong. Billboard pop single. I don't know though. Actually, I'm trying to find. Okay, okay. I'm gonna keep looking. Well, I want I want Hot 100. Because well, sure, but not if he's in the top 100, but the top 10. The top 10 but of yeah, the, hot, the 100. hot 100. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. and I'll just I'll just go on to "The Way It Is" by Bruce Hornsby. Yes. Um, which is not the song I thought it would be, which is "That's the Way." Uh, when I read that, so yeah, no, I told you, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, Celine Dion was. <laughs> right. I thought that was in the 90s, but yeah. I guess it's there, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, and um, we you know we have in this song. Um, References to poverty and homelessness, as well as um, whether or not the Civil Rights Act um, succeeded in breaking down racial barriers in contemporary 80s society. Um, Bruce Hornsby uh, went on to play several shows, played about 100 shows with the Grateful Dead. Um, And is a he he wrote a song that is critical of Donald Trump and people got mad about it. Mm. Hmm. It is he was like uh I don't care. Right. Um <laughs> yeah, and uh my my feeling about the song is yes. Mm-hmm. But straight up yes. I think it's a it's a 
it's so weird to be doing these songs that are in the top 10 when my main feeling about them is you're a song. Right. I, what a what a song you are <laughs> with the notes and, and the songings yeah. of the words. It's so good I with know. the such you songed real good on this song. Um and yeah, I just I have no I have also I didn't like it. I mean the main reason it it, it didn't it hasn't really stuck around is I'm like this is kind of like a boring mm-hmm. piano yeah. ballad. Yeah. I think we can keep it so because also like the there's the Tupac song that like right. samples from it and right. like is so much like it so clearly like is like the opening mm-hmm. sounds of it are from the song, which is like essentially the version of the song that I want this song to be. It was I was like, yes, you guys are well intentioned and the message of the song is great. It was hard to avoid though, like watching the music video, these like five white dudes just like playing just their music like smi- they're so- and they're like, yeah, and, like smiling. smiling and I was like, you no, don't have the problems you're singing about. Right. Um, so, but I feel like the fact that it like influenced and cr- sort of led to the yeah. Tupac song. Or like, yeah, it like became it. a tool that Tupac could work with to create yeah. a better sort of more um, applicable, mm-hmm. t- feels like the right word in my mm-hmm. mouth, but my brain is saying, Stephen, I don't think that that word exactly makes sense. Uh, you don't think that word is applicable? Appli- <laughs> <laughs> okay, up- <laughs> Applicable. God damn it, I messed up my one chance <laughs> to get there. You're just so eager to get in there. I just uh, um anyways, um great. Moving down the choo-choo moving line. Down. We've got number seven. Here I go again by White Snake. White Snake. Um this was uh so this was written by so David Coverdale, who is the lead singer of White Snake, and also a former guitarist whose name I have forgotten i'm sorry um they wrote it together um and there was like an initial release or like initial recording Mm -hmm. of it and then it was re-recorded with a slight change of they use the word drifter instead of instead of hobo hobo. um the reason he said was because they didn't want anyone to think he was saying homo right um because the line is like something like a like drifter. a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Right. And so if it was hobo, he thought, was worried people would think it was homo. So and unclear it, if his reasoning double... is because he was like, I don't want to offend homosexuals, gay people, or if his reasoning was like, I don't want anyone to think I'm saying I'm a homo. I you know? definitely <laughs> think it's like, the latter. God. I definitely think yeah. that he is like, oh, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying like a homo. I don't right, want to. Right, yeah. exactly. But like, yeah. Yeah. in a way... It is also good yeah, that he wasn't saying like it. a homo. Oh, no. I right. was or, born yeah. to walk alone. Like, yes. gay, yeah, that would be very. Yeah, how Andy Rooney of him? <sighs> wow, well, in-world reference uh, yeah. to sixty. Um, this music video, because you mentioned the other music video, is very much a super sexy video with a woman doing cartwheels over mm-hmm. Jaguar. Tawny Katane. Like, who um and and so and the success of the music video for the song is what like absolutely what made this band popular in the U S like they were not so popular. And then like MTV, it was like a huge hit on MTV and like Mm. suddenly, and he, David Coverdale said something like MTV has done the work of of, like, that would have been five grueling years of touring that we would have taken us to do. Um, also interesting though, the, so the re-release, the re-recording, um, Coverdale had by the time the, the, 
music video and the re-recorded version came out, he had fired every other member of the band and replaced them. So like they, they're, he's the only person who is both in the music video and in that recording. Like the mm-hmm. whole band was different by the time it came out, which is like, all right, dude. Right. Because it was basically like his sort of prop because he was singer of Deep Purple, then had a solo career, then created Whitesnake, and then like several years later, like Whitesnake, if I'm remembering correctly, formed in the late 70s, and this is 87 when they get their hit. Um, Yeah. It, it, It is also just weird that he's like, you know, as stupid as, uh, as I, I give no, I give no allowances to the shittiness that that hair metal bands uh, perpetrated against civilization. <laughs> but the at the very least, they were like twenty one to twenty five. Mm. Um, so they're a stupid and b have no perspective on how their actions affect. I don't know other people, but this dude is like 37 when this movie, mm-hmm. when this, uh, he's like 38 when this mm-hmm. song comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, so all of the, like, you know, better, right. And all of this, like, yeah, exactly. Everything is done with like the fully formed brain of a baby boomer. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, so you don't want to keep the song. No. Yeah. I don't want to keep. I feel like, can I want to keep the? I, unless the song is like great, mm-hmm. I feel like if I so object to the band, yeah, I can't totally keep the song. Well, and like the music video making this such a success, like the music video is so like ugh, misogynistic with this right. like just this like sexy woman being sexy on top of cars mm-hmm. and like all over this guy while he's driving. And there was apparently like a famous nipple slip, nip slip. Mm. Um, and it took like months for MTV, like to know, to like replace it or uh, something. I don't know, but I'm just like, eh, just don't feel good about this video. I mean, they did end, end up marrying he and Tawny, but, um, but yeah, I just, I mean for two years, but, oh, well, yeah. But the other thing is that she, um, I, though, if uh, something I do like is that she's listed as an actress, comedian mm. and media personality. <laughs> Cool. So I'm just like a comedian, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they their their most egregious album title. Mm. Um, I'll give you one guess, knowing full well we get it wrong. So feel free. But it's egregious. No idea of their album titles at all. Slide it in. What? It's just straight up called slide it in. Yeah. Oh my god, be a little more subtle. Right. It, well, don't worry. It's 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 a. Uh, it's a, um, it's at the very least, it has a, a cobra mm. on the, co- on the cover. Oh, not a penis. Not oh. a penis. Oh, wait, no, uh, I think I was wrong. Sorry. It has a snake wrapped around a woman's neck going <laughs> into her decolletage. Um, God damn. <laughs> Great. Let's get rid of it. Uh, moving on. Number six. Moving on. Number six. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. The Debut single by Robbie Neville. Um, a very, very like interesting sort of 80s into early 90s aesthetic kind of reminded me of, and I'm going to go really inaccessible right now, mm. like a cross between 
Jeff Buckley and the music video that killed Billy Squire's career. Um, You've lost me. Yep, I I said that from the beginning, and when I say it from the beginning, it doesn't matter if you lose me. Exactly. Yes. I said turn your turn your earboxes off right now because I'm about to go somewhere you can't follow. Um, but yeah, it was you know he released a second single Dominoes. It was also a hit, but after that, his popularity waned pretty quickly, and that's basically it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel so meh about so right. many of these songs. It's so like I have very few strong opinions. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just like it, in terms of the video, he's got like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, they're all models, but you know, of course they're all models, but they're also all like, you know, there there's lots of like representation, mm-hmm. and he's not like. One thing that was weird is uh, one of the main models, because there's a character in the song referred to as JJ, who he calls out to. And when that, so that actress, that model did get, did see a bit of an acting career after that. Um, and in the this interview I was reading of hers, she, the interviewer asked what her parents thought. And they were like, oh, well, you know, my, my dad did think he was, um, you know, a bit racy. So I was expecting mm. like some sort of love scene, some sort of mm-hmm. blurred lines esque uh, video of some sort. Not even close. Like everyone's fully clothed. <laughs> They're you know either singing in singing fake background vocals or throwing a coat over their shoulder mm-hmm. wistfully. I mean, there's not. I was like, what's racy yeah. about this video? There's, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the one of the women is like wearing a short, like a, almost a slip, in the very beginning. But like that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, compared yeah. to slide it in, I think it's fine. Yes, uh, I agree. Yeah, and like musically, it's kind of fun. There's some interesting little shifts. No, yeah. some saxophone. So yeah, yeah, kind of quirky, kind of right. catchy. It's like a, yeah. it's like, it's like the pop version of like smooth jazz or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. like, eh, it's fine. I can't. Right. It's agreeable. Um, okay, number five, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. By was this... Mm-hmm. Continue it. See if Starship. Starship. Was this one of your three? No. Because I'm just uh, realizing now that oh, it yeah, that kind of say. makes four. Like, I That's do... True. This is really four. Mm-hmm. I did yes. notice it, but I'm not like... I'm not, I wasn't like, oh, real. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, like, same. oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's that song. Yeah. Yeah, I never knew this song except for the chorus that is, like, very... Yeah. Recognizable. Um, so Starship, first of all, I just have to say that Starship, so band members changed throughout, mm-hmm. but this, like a decades long progression of bands that led to this, of like, well, at least two decades. That's, that's decades long. Oh, I thought, but see, I was hearing. Decade long? A, well, I was hearing oh. apostrophe S and not S decades. apostrophe, but it is indeed. Decades It's It's long. more like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, oh, S dash decades long. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I was <laughs> saying that I was hearing apostrophe S uh, a so single it, decade. Okay. I right. got it. Anyways. What I mean is no several decades, two decades long, um, progression that led to this band. So it was Jefferson airplane, people from Jefferson airplane. Don't Jefferson. Thank you. Created Jefferson Starship. One pill. Uh, uh, we built this city. <laughs> we built this city on a um, Which led to Starship. Nothing's, Nothing's gonna, gonna stop us now. 
Um, fun fact. So Grace Slick being uh, the female vocalist in this, she's like, I think she's the one, one of the few people who's like in all of those bands. But she, at 47, 47, when she, when this song came out, she was the oldest woman to have a number one single in the U.S., surpassed oh. only by Cher in 99 at the age of 52. Was that, so, was that, was that when Do You Believe in Life After Love came out? Really? Yeah, 99. Wow. Yes. I, what's funny um, is I do remember that music video coming on at like my babysitter's house as a kid, but mm. part of me felt like there's just no way that. Wait, yeah. It, yeah. No, yeah. but it was. Um, so that's cool. And also, just one of the songwriters said that the song was inspired by his impending marriage to um, his this girl, a girlfriend, you know, who lived with him, mm-hmm. who loved. They lived together for seven years, and it was like right when his previous divorce was finalized. So it's the idea of like nothing can stop our love. Which right. I thought was cute. Yeah. It's um, like, as in, as, you mean legally. Right. <laughs> we already live together. Anyways, right. um, yeah, I think we should keep this song. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, uh, it's a really weird music video. This is, if you want to f- see a very 80s music video, you should definitely watch this one. Nothing's going to stop us now. Starship. It's a pretty fun watch, listeners. Um, pretty weird. It's also, it was in the, the movie Mannequin. So oh, there yeah. are some so, cutscenes from Mannequin, but also like people in the band are like pretending to be right. mannequins and their outfits are insane and their hair is so ugly. I'm like, what was up with the 80s? Yeah, no, what an seriously. Ugly decade. Yikes. But um but yeah, it's a really like fun, you know, anthem. It's I got no objections. I, I like that forty seven year old Grace Slick um was making a big old hit. Yeah. So I think we should keep it. Is it what what is the part of that song where it's like you Oh, there you go. I say you are crazy. One do they know? Yeah. That's exactly. Nice. I nailed that. I think. Now I did struggle with the, the mannequin variety. movie. Uh are you talking about it's gonna be a great episode for uh, the, vo- kill the volume. Me. No, kill just, me. We're doing songs. It's impossible right. to avoid. You're right. Um, oh, um, also, I did note that my my volume got a little wild on your little slip of the tongue. Yeah, um, I know, but <laughs> it was my yeah. fault. Yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll make a note. Make sure to great send a message. Shall we move? Oh, yeah, I, I just I I was like, why did I say no? And I think the reason I said that yeah. I didn't want to keep it was mainly about the mannequin movie, which oh. is like. I mean, we had this issue with Shakedown, right? Of like, if it's attached to a movie that is like really objectionable, which let's be real, a mannequin that only becomes alive when she's alone with the main character mm-hmm. is, I mean, how how else do you say like woman is sex object besides like, sure. let's make her a literal mannequin. Right. Um, but I do, appre- but like, this is a song unlike shakedown that I feel right. like can live beyond, beyond that movie and, and is like, and has a song is just like a good song. It right. Is, and it has nothing to do with mannequins. Cause it's, no it's one mostly. remembers a goddamn thing about that movie. Yeah. No, no. Um, number four, definitely on that, that oh, list, that yeah. sweet, sweet list of three. Um, I want to dance with yes. somebody by Whitney Houston. Uh, now, initially the song was not like super critically well-received cause they saw it was really similar to, uh, her song, how will I know? And also mm-hmm. the song, uh, girls just want to have fun. Um, but six weeks later it hit number one and then the album dropped, and it was the first album to debut at number one by a female artist yeah. ever. Wow. Um, I could have, but didn't 
look further into find this to find the exact number, but she is the most awarded female vocalist. She has the Guinness record for that. Wow. Um, yes. And then just in general, people like um, uh, artists like Janet Jackson, um, other sort of other black female pop vocalists, she really did a lot to pave the way for for African-American female vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I got to say, it, I, I, you know, there's a major controversy surrounding Beyonce's countdown video about potential uh, video plagiarism. Mm. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot involved in that. Um, but what I never really thought of is how much this video, I think, influenced the countdown video mm. with all the like quick scenes that like change the color mm. seems a lot like mm. the scenes that do very similar in the countdown video. Sure I don't know how countdown literate you are, but not so literate, yeah. but, um, but we're keeping this song. Oh, hell oh, no. God. Yeah. It's so fun. And so, uh, so I, I also realized, I don't know if we watched the same video, but I, the music video that I saw, yeah, there was color change, but there was it also the one where it was like, it starts black and white dudes would spin around and then become different people and like, right. And there's like bathroom stall door, like saloon doors kind of, and like guys come out and like Mm -hmm. bathrobes or bathing suit. What? Towels. Towels is the word. (laughs) Um, but it was like such a fun video also that was like, so not sexualized and like she, so much of the video is like her face and she Mm -hmm. seems so like happy and like innocent and she's just like goofy and having fun. And it just, uh, I feel like this video captures this, the way that everyone feels when this song comes on, you know? And it's Um, uh, also like a lot of her there, the way that like descriptions of what happens in the video define it is like that they are dancing like for her or to impress her to see like who she's going to dance with. And then eventually she ends up like, you know, she picks man with top hat who she's then like, you know, joking around and kind of like forcing around. And so like, she's got way, she's, she's the one with, the autonomy that totally. they're dancing to impress. Yeah. 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 Right. No, I, I love that. She was so clearly like the focal point of power in that, mm-hmm. in the video. It's so fun. And it was on my wedding playlist. So Ooh, it, yeah, it was, say, I mean, it's been on every wedding playlist know, since 1987. Exactly. But like, it has to be, um, okay. Number three, shake you down by Gregory Abbott. Um, so this song was written by Gregory Abbott. He, I didn't know honestly anything about him nope. or this song. Nope. Um, he was also a music producer, had his own label, Mojo Man Entertainment, um, which is mm-hmm. where he has a lot of his songs. He like self produces. Oh, good for him. I honestly, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I don't even know if he still makes music. Um, he before becoming a musician, he also he had studied psychology and creative writing. He was like at Stanford and UC That's Berkeley, uh, and he was an English professor. And then he became first a music producer where he his first song he was asked to he got to sing on he got to sing a duet with Whitney Houston and then he just boom um Jeez, so uh, yeah and he's yeah. an R&B musician um for a second I was inclined to say he got Josh Groban but really Josh Groban got Abbott Abbott <laughs> um so yeah that's all I have to say about him. okay yeah he seems to still be Making the muse. Cool. Um, Thoughts on this song? 
Um, I mean, the video I thought was like very kind of very, it was like, it was like an eighties album cover that kept rotating. Kept like, yeah. Um, yeah, it but, starts pretty stalkery. The, yeah. Like, that's my reason for, I have no written. He's like, I've been watching you across the floor, but it's not unusual. I've watched right. you a If you're like a, cl- then it's like, you're like huh? oh, okay. What? But then you find out that like, I guess they were in a relationship, but they are in re- but still it's yeah. And then yeah. it's also manages to be cheesy. Like at the end, there's like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo that's thrown in there. And then a roses are red, violets are blue. And I'm like, what? what? Yeah. But I want to, but I like, I like him as I like, I, I, really I think like his trajectory and like the fact that he wrote it and he's like, has his own label. Like I want right. to support that. The One I, of the few people who yeah. wrote their own song this year. Yeah. I don't, it's tough. To yeah. Me. I mean, it, I mean, if there is one thing in which I think that like, I mean, getting rid of it seems to me negligible is, mm-hmm. is that, I mean, we're, I don't know to what degree. I mean, clearly he didn't really take off. Um, it's kind of crazy that he didn't take off. And this is like number three. I've like yeah. never heard of it. Yeah. Um, but like if he's still making music, I mean, unless the, the, financial high of this was such a windfall that mm-hmm. it subsidized him for the rest of his life, which I mean, it could have been, um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, it, it was creepy. It was weird. And then, <laughs> especially if it's like, I've been watching you so many times before and now, uh, wanna fuck you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I just hate cheesy lines like "We'll go all the way to heaven." I know. I'm like, really? really are cheesy. you really? You're, you're I mean, die together and. Also, together. like, oh, are Sorry. you really? Are you a really good sex haver, Abbott? Like, are you <laughs> really good? Right. Oh, good for you. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm like, I don't love his lyrics, um, but he did write them himself. But yeah, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just think what's what's Let's wild pass. is that like, can can we unlike. So many times when we're like, ugh, I mean, I guess I kind of want to keep the song, but man, I hate this person. Mm. I'm like, man, can we keep the person, right, but like, but fuck the, the song? song? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, great. Great, let's great. <laughs> All right, now this is definitely uh, the, well, the third of ones. I'm assuming mm. that the three was living on a prayer. I'm assuming the three was living on a prayer, I want to dance with somebody and alone. For me, the three was. Number one, uh, number the one we're about to the, get to? The next one. I mean, I was like, two. oh, hmm, I had never heard the song. I oh. hadn't heard it outside of, like, Time Life compilations Let's of 80s songs. Stick with Alone um, But Alone was my number three. Mm-hmm. Um, not written by the band Heart, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. It was written in 1983 by two guys, Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. Um, and it was later, it, was, it has had numerous recordings, um, including one by John Stamos, and then, um, and then the, uh, then they covered it in 87 on their album, Bad Animals. This was their biggest hit, which is wild. Cause they had been around since the mid seventies. Um, but yeah, this was like their biggest hit. It was after a hiatus. So it was seen like as a, as a comeback and it was, it was part of their image shift to adapt more of the sort of eighties hair qualities. Mm. Um, 
hair qualities, hair qualities. fucking hair, hair, rock, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but to like adopt more of the eighties aesthetic and yeah, it just, it, uh, was a slam. It was a slam. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we can keep it. These ladies rocking out. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty awesome. And that the number one and number two songs, as we're about to find out, were, you know, like these female, mostly, you know, at least female led rock bands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like they're revered as like great rock musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this song doesn't really feature some of their guitar playing abilities, but like songs like Crazy on You and Barracuda, mm-hmm. it's like, Whoa. Um yeah. but then yeah, it's just it's just fine, like yeah. till now. I always got by on my own. Right. I never really cared. Until I met you. Mm. It's performed just like that. It is. Um, it's a very boring, surprising yeah. hair. How do they make it to number two? two. I don't know. I, I mean, never know. It's a different time. Spoken it a word track. Time. This is crazy. Time. Um all the way to number one, Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles. This was on a couple of like mix tapes of mine. I, mm. I definitely know this song so well. You <laughs> are culpable. <laughs> um, this song was written by this dude, Liam Sternberg, um, who brought it to the Bangles. Um, and so there's four women in the Bangles, three out of the four, four of them each sang lead vocals on a different verse, um, but the fourth who was also the drummer, was relegated to backup vocals because like Oof. people didn't like the way she was singing it. Oof. And and not only that, but they used a drum machine instead of her drumming in the release of the song. And so lots of tension in the group after that moment because she was like, what the fuck? Um, this is one of very few songs not written by a member of the group. Uh-huh. Um, they didn't really like the song very much. They thought it was kind of goofy um it was banned it was banned by the bbc during the gulf war um because it was supposedly it was seen as like potentially offensive towards which is funny because she's they're like uh it's egyptian you know like no the gulf war is not about egypt um and then also what yeah wait yes it was the gulf war is not about it's banned because they thought the problem is that it would conflate well, like that was the Iraqi the and Kuwaitis said, and, and Egyptians? Well, the band was like, it's called Walk Like an Egyptian. So why so that doesn't make sense, is what the band said. So in a way, the BBC was, they were conflating them and they were like, I don't like it. Like, but they're two different right. people groups entirely, two different nations, two different multi millennia history. And they're yeah. like Disagree. Yeah, but one colonial history. Um, <laughs> that was the BBC's um, response. It was uh, the media giant Clear Channel after 9/11 also made a like list of offense potentially offensive songs. It wasn't quite explicitly banned, but it was on Clear Channel's like list of like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't play these songs. Not sure. Uh, but did it say why? Did it say for, why? I, it. I don't know if they ever. I mean, it was literally like, be, I will tell you if they said why. Um, but like, it was specifically like right after 9-11, Clear Channel made this group of songs uh, that they were like, this might be a sensitive moment to play these songs is essentially like right. what they said. And the BBC was like, it's the Gulf War. 
it might be a sensitive moment to play these songs. I can find like the this that, that to me use. is I want to know because it could it is very possible that it is like the worst reason right. that you could give to not play this song if it's like right, right. Mm, we just don't want people thinking about you know any Arabs or Muslim majority nations you know yeah they, I, as the first Gulf War began the BBC deemed several songs inappropriate for airplay in light of the situation and they banned them from radio stations so that's the BBC one just to get the exact language for you and well, I didn't want to get rid of the BBC before, <laughs> but I feel like if that's up for grabs, okay, maybe we can vote in. on that. Um, plus, what? Okay, anyway. Um, cl- apparently, also on the Clear Channel list, everything by Rage Against the Machine was also banned. But oh, anyway. then clearly <laughs> it's seen as something that, like, encourages... Oh, fuck off. Mm. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck off. I mean, it's Clear Channel. Like, they have... Yeah, they're controversial. Um, It's clearly not for the reasons that I want to get rid of this Three days after the attacks, um, they sent out a list of more than 150 songs that it deemed lyrically questionable to all its whole network of radio stations in the U.S. Because it it, it advocates walking like an Egyptian. (laughs) Exactly. We don't want no Americans walking like Egyptians. Um, Okay, what do you think? No! No, I know. Uh, no, this uh, this song is like yeah, uh, really... racial stereotype. Yeah. The game, like <laughs> it know. is so awful. You know, it really is. It really is made so much worse by <laughs> These, the video. Oh, the video, yeah. Well, the video is just like, oh, let's just go around and show that everyone's on board with the racism. (laughs) Including, right, everybody, not just white people. Everyone, everyone, they're just, you know, doing the tut arms. Cutaways of them all, like, in really bad, like, fake headdresses Uh, in, like, a white studio. Yeah. Man. It's too bad. Yeah, it's it's just, like, one of the songs that I, like, used to just, like, love because it's catchy and never thought about, but it's really... Right, foreign types with their hookah hookah pipes. pipes. Mm. It's bad. Or, uh, man, no, the worst one I feel like it was in the, yeah, all the, at first I was like, I was like, man, this is bad. And then it gets to the end and it's like all the Japanese with their uh, yen. I was like, I oh, know. God. <laughs> uh, and the Chinese know. And I'm like, oh, what do you tell? Why just why right. did you have to make it worse? Right. Why did you have to really just go this all dude in? Wrote it. I don't know why they yeah. decided to do it. He was like, what are other sucks. racial stereotypes? Right. What other races can we Google mock? Yeah. yeah, he was. He was like, let me Google <laughs> what I can mock. As he typed on his typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, was all just right. that's just what they well, called thinking back then. They were yeah. like, let me Google. <laughs> hmm. Um, um, yeah, so that's, hard no. That's a no. We've made Dear it through. word. Well, yeah. All right. Next, the next week is going to be the big one where we, it's 1988, and we're going to, isn't it Rain Man? And oh, yeah. We're going to do the Cosby show. Oh, we are, go, we're going there. We're going there. We're going, we're, we're doing going the Cosby there. show. We're doing and Rain Man like, and Cosby show. man, what a great, also, great year in, 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 mm, mm, never mind. I mean, it's just like a, it's a it's a it's an, a similar in year in music. We got Faith by George Michael, uh, Need You Tonight, which 
I don't actually know. I was whatever that song is. I really need you tonight. It's a different song. Um, Um, that's total clips of the heart. But never gonna give you up Uh, is on there. We could, we could, we could maybe maybe Uh, watch out for a sweet sweet Rick roll. We'll see. Um, Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. You're a Rock Rising Productions Productions podcast. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.